cooking Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 158 of Curry in the Pot. I'm your host, somebody got Mike Curry, and I'm back again with another episode, man. And if you missed last week's episode, I did a very nice IG live mailbag. The audio, well, the video rather, is still up on my page. And yeah, you can definitely go check out the audio as always, man. I really, really appreciate everybody that came through, everybody that asked questions. Uh, it was really dope to hear from you guys and see you guys, man, because it's, it's been a while. Man. I did those IG lives uh, like two months straight when the pandemic first hit. And I kind of took a little break and just got back to the regular you know, scheme of things. But I, I, I might got to get back into doing that, man. It's definitely fun getting a lot of questions and interaction it's, it's really really dope man especially when sports kinds of kind of hits like a little dull dry spell and then you could just hop on the ig live and you know talk to everybody and and people will still ask great questions man still ask great questions but before we hop into today's episode man i first wanted to say pray for texas man there's a lot of people in the state of texas who are still without power and still without water and that's just very, very disheartening to me, man. I, I just had to say that and get that off my chest um, because, you know, there's people struggling, you know, without, you know, the basic essentials and that's power and that's water. Um, so please, please keep everybody in the state of Texas in your thoughts and your prayers. Uh, they're definitely in my thoughts and prayers, man. And I'm hoping everything, you know, returns back to some type of normality, man. So uh, prayers up to Texas. We got a lot to discuss, man. I first wanted to talk about this Carson Wentz trade. I really want to talk about this, man. Uh, it happened out of nowhere. I was actually getting ready to do an episode today. It happened. Like, I was getting ready to record before that trade broke. So, I'm glad that, you know, there was a voice inside of me saying, just wait, just wait. And, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. So, on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, Carson Wentz, the Philadelphia Eagles agreed to trade Quarterback Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick that could turn into a first-round pick. You know, it was almost it was almost inevitable for Carson Wentz to be traded. We all saw how his career just his career changed, man, and a lot of it's due to injury. You know, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back a couple of years, man. We, we all know about the year where, you know, hold on. Before I get into that, Carson Wentz was once viewed as the Eagles savior at one point. He was once viewed that way. And when the Eagles moved up in the draft, they gave up quite a bit to the Browns, man. Uh, there was there was a few trades that had happened that year. The Eagles had made a trade with the Dolphins to get their number eight pick and then the eagles ended up parlaying that number eight pick with more picks and they gave up uh, this was back in 2016 they gave up the number eight pick they gave up a 2016 third round pick a 2016 fourth round pick a 2017 first and a 2018 second round pick so they gave up a massive haul just to select carson wentz and they they truly gave up a lot and he was supposed to come in and be the savior and it was actually looking like he would be the savior we all remember that year that Carson Wentz had a great year. He was looking like an MVP candidate, and he ultimately got hurt. And the Eagles, you know, they went on to win the Super Bowl that year with Nick Foles with a backup quarterback. And 
I feel like when something like that happens, it's like, oh, we could we could replace this guy. We could do without, man. And he did get the big contract extension, but it's almost like, you know, we 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 could do without. You know, we just we just want without the guy. Like that that has to set in for everybody in the locker room. That has to set in uh for, you know, the front office, the coaching staff. And you have to think about that. That has to stick in your head. And you know, there was also stuff saying that Carson Wentz wasn't a good leader. I don't, I don't really know about that. I mean, he's not, you know, uh, the most rah rah guy. But there's been some questions on his leadership. But like I said, man, when you 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 rewind, you rewind. That that there's always going to be a sense of awkwardness because they won the Super Bowl without you. They won it with a backup quarterback and Nick Foles. Hell, the Eagles even have. Nick Foles and former head coach Doug Peterson, they have a statue of those two, of, of Doug Peterson saying, we're going to run the Philly special. There's a statue in Philadelphia and Carson Wentz is not a part of. That is awkward, man. That, that, that That's definitely a sense of awkwardness. Um, It's unfortunate, though. You know, Carson Wentz has, you know, suffered a bevy of injuries and his play has also declined. But. You know, when I was looking at it, when I was looking at him last season, I was like, you know, a change of scenery would be great. You know, Jalen Hurts comes in. He's a he's a breath of fresh air. He's galvanizing those guys. You know, he's making plays. He's winning games. You know, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts record was it says it's one and three as a starter, but it's really like it's really <laughs> it's really like two and two. We all know about that that football team game, final game of the season where. Uh, head, former head coach Doug Peterson took him out, but Jalen Hurst just looked like a, a new, like a shot of adrenaline almost, man. Like they gave it gave the the team a sense of hope, and you know that was during a time where the NFC East was still wide open. It still wasn't locked up. Remember the football team won with a seven and nine record. Um, so I just think it's best for both sides. Obviously, that regime is gone. That Carson Wentz thrived with. Doug Peterson is gone. Um, he's now going to be reunited with his former offensive coordinator Frank Reich, who is the current head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And I think it was—I think it was just time to move on, man. I know a lot of people probably thought he would have went for a little more, but I really wasn't surprised at the compensation. The Eagles could have saved, you know, some 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 dead cap had they waited to trade him in June. But um, maybe they wanted that pick right now so they can use it. Um, but. Yeah, man, that's it. That's it on the uh, that's it on the Eagles side. Now, what does this mean for the Colts? For the Colts, man, they get a quarterback. Um, Phillip Rivers just retired after having a pretty solid year, man. Led them to the playoffs. Um, defense was really sound, and Phillip Rivers actually wasn't bad, man. B. Jones co-produced the curtain the pie. Actually, had the Colts winning the division. They ended up making the playoffs. So, you no know, great stuff, great stuff. But for the Colts, man, I think this is a good move. They get a quarterback who still relatively young. You know, he's 28 years old. And you didn't have to give up a lot to get him. He's still talented, in my opinion. Um, like you see, you didn't have to give a lot. I feel like the Eagles, they took on they took on the most, man, because that move created like, I want to say like 30 mil in dead cap. And the Eagles, their cap situation was already really messed up. They had to let go of Deshaun Jackson. I think you could see Zach Ertz getting traded or released. And they're not done making roster moves. They have a lot of decisions to make, whether it's getting guys to restructure or trade and or release. So we just got to see.
But the Colts, as I mentioned, man, you get a quarterback that's 28 years old. He's reunited with the guy he had the most success with. And, you know, the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator. So you get a guy who knows you really, really well. Um, the Colts, they, they have a top three offensive line, in my opinion, led by left guard Quentin Nelson, who was an absolute beast. He's, he's an all-timer already. Like, like, like he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer. They have a really nice offensive line. They have two nice running backs. You got um, the guy, Jonathan Taylor, um, who just came off of a tremendous rookie season. You have Naeem Hines, who can also run the football, but it's mainly, you know, that, that pass-catching back, that third-down type of back. And... Receivers is a little question mark. T.Y. Hilton is probably out the door, but you got Michael Pittman, who had a solid rookie year. You got tight ends like Mo Ali Cox. You got, I think if you know, you got um, deep threat Paris Campbell. I think if they add maybe another weapon or two, and the Colts they do have a ton of cap space still, they they can definitely be nice. But when you look at the defensive side of the ball, that's the side of the ball where they were they were absolute studs. You know, you got Darius Leonard. You got Rocky Sin. They had Xavier Rhodes. They had they had a bunch of guys, man. They, they DeForest Buckner was the, their big acquisition last year. You got they have a lot of guys who just who just come in and just do their thing. Guys like Julian Blackman, guys that aren't even household names, have just come in and, and stepped up immediately. They don't have, like I said, they don't have a bunch of household names. They got Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. But everybody else isn't really, really household. Man, Xavier Rhodes, he, he was a, an elite cornerback a couple of years ago. But they have a nice defense, man. And I think that's what will carry them. And Carson Wentz is really, really put into position immediately to succeed. As I just mentioned, great offensive line. Solid weapons around you. I believe they're not done at acquiring weapons. They're going to acquire some more weapons. I'm sure the Colts... They don't want to just go to the playoffs. They want to. They want to go further, man. They, they they almost beat the Buffalo Bills. They probably feel like they're on par. They're not too far away. They think that Carson Wentz could probably get them over that hump. So I'm really really excited to see it. Like I said, he, Carson Wentz needed a change of scenery. The Eagles clearly had a guy who they believe was ready to take the next leap and move forward with, and that is Jalen Hurts. And yeah, it's just. It was just best for both sides, honestly. Just best for both sides. Carson Wentz and the Eagles organization. And the Colts needed a quarterback. And they don't have a very high draft pick. So why not go out and get you somebody that you think can at least be like how Phillip Rivers was last year. At least. At bare minimum, that's probably how they view it. And I think it's a good move for both sides. I want to transition over to some tennis. I know you guys are probably surprised tennis, but I wanted to talk about the semifinal matchup between Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams. It was great to watch. I'm not a huge tennis fan, but when both of these ladies are playing, I will check them out, as well as Coco Golf, Sloan Stevens. I feel like the women's crop of tennis is really, really good, especially for, uh, for black women, for black women. I love it. And, uh, you know, I do watch tennis from, from, you know, from time to time. And, you know, Serena Williams, she went up against Naomi Osaka. And Naomi Osaka, she she whooped her, man. She whooped her. She beat her in straight sets. And this morning, she also just won the Australian Open. I am recording on Saturday, uh, February the 20th, for those of you guys wondering. But Naomi Osaka, Naomi Osaka, she went on to win the Australian Open. Now, 
it was cool to watch it was cool to see you know everybody on twitter and instagram uh it was kind of like we were all watching as a family you know i saw stuff after the match like serena williams was michael jordan in a wizard's uniform and, and naomi osaka was kobe young kobe uh, in a lakers uniform it was cool man it, it, it was really nice man and i truly feel like that is how that is how tennis is going to shift man now a lot of people are saying you know serena might be washed up since she retired uh i don't know i don't know if she should retire man she's still she's still serena at the end of the day you know what i'm saying she's still the goat you know the goat of tennis and uh, this is a woman that won the australian open <laughs> just four years ago while pregnant so i don't want to ever take anything away from serena uh but it's 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 time to move forward man we have possibly a new face i don't even want to say possibly we have a new face in women's tennis and that is naomi osaka and she is emerging uh she just won the australian open she won it again uh so shouts out to her man shouts out to the ladies shouts out to black women shout out shout out shout out to everybody man um, that was extremely dope. I want to shift gears to the NBA, to the association. And last night, Joel Embiid had a 50-piece. I just wanted to set the record straight that Joel Embiid is my MVP. He's my MVP. He's my MVP. Um, I know Ben Simmons missed a couple of games, but Joel Embiid has been absolutely spectacular. Doc Rivers has seemed to empower him and like no bro like bro like nobody can nobody can stop you and this is what a lot of people have been kind of complaining about over the past couple of years guys like Shaquille O'Neal uh, who's really hard on today's players but he said he wanted Joel Embiid to dominate and that is exactly what he is doing he's averaging 30 and 11 he is dominating he's dominating like I said coming off that 50 piece McNugget coming off that 50 point performance 17 rebounds 5 assists performance uh shouts out to Joel Embiid who has been balling, man. He's my MVP, man. The Sixers have the best record in the Eastern Conference. He is my MVP. I want to talk about the Bucks, man. They finally got a win after losing five consecutive games. They lost to the Raptors twice in the same week. Also lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They also took an out of Phoenix. I feel like, first of all, I think if they would have lost again to the Thunder, then Mike Boonehoser might have been fired right there on the spot. I, th I truly, I truly believe that. I don't know, and I, and I know they've they've been missing Drew Holiday. I, I understand that, but they weren't they weren't necessarily clicking on all cylinders when Drew Holiday was in there. You know, you know what I'm saying. I don't want to say the NBA has figured it out, kind of like how the NFL has kind of figured out Lamar Jackson, but it's almost the same thing. It's all the NBA has figured out Giannis because Giannis has not. Adding a skill set. The same thing I've been talking about for a couple of years now. Add a consistent mid-range jumper. Get some low post moves. Get something you can go to. You getting the ball and bringing it up at the top of the key, that's too easy to key on. That's too easy to stop. All we got to do is back up off of you and build up a wall and just let you shoot. Let you beat us. Cause that's that's what teams are doing. We're gonna we're gonna let you be a shooting jump shots. We don't believe you. And then well, and then when you try to go to the basket, we're going to foul you because you're a 60% free throw shooter. There's a lot wrong, man. And Giannis is a great player. Don't get me wrong. But I've never seen an MVP, 
the MVP that can't really take over. Like, Giannis cannot take over a game consistently. Like, just think about that. Giannis cannot take over a game consistently, bro. I don't... I don't get it. I mean, he won my MVP, but he was a lot of y'all MVP and y'all defensive player of the year, but he has to add to his game. He has to pick some spots where, where, where he's a threat. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, all that, all that grabbing the rebound and pushing it and dunking on a fast break is cool. But in the playoffs, as you saw, the Miami Heat exposed him, man. He's looking like the same exact player. And I hate to see that, man. I hope I'll be continue. I hope he, you know, I'm sure he's trying to improve, but I hope he gets that skill set and adds to his game really, really soon. I mean, he's not the only problem on the Bucks here, I mean, but I mean, this is just the same. It's pretty much the same team, the same nucleus, and they just don't look like they're primed to take the next step. But I want to talk about a team who is primed to take the next step, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. That is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets the other night, they defeated the Los Angeles Lakers, I believe by 11. I think the final score was 109 to 98. Listen, that game was never close. I don't care what the 11 point final score says. The Nets were up by as many as 19 in that game. That game was literally never close. I know the Lakers are without Anthony Davis and they were also without Dennis Schroeder, but the Nets were without Kevin Durant in that game. And that's what kind of scared me. I first want to say about Anthony Davis, that that injury is very very concerning to me. I it, it it reminds me of the Kevin Durant calf strain in Golden State, his final season in Golden State. You know, we all know he came back and he and he ruptured his Achilles. It it almost gives me the same type of vibe right now. And I hope the Lakers just take it easy. I hope Anthony Davis just takes it easy. He's supposed to be out for four more weeks, but it's like they're just calling it a calf strain. I I really want to a true evaluation on this injury, man, because I don't want to see him get injured. Um, but but even even if he does come back healthy, I want to say this. The Brooklyn Nets will win the NBA Finals. The Brooklyn Nets will win the NBA Finals. I'm saying it. I wanted to make sure you guys heard me. I don't see a way that they lose. And... I know they lost to teams like, they lost to a bunch of inferior teams. The Cavaliers and the freaking, the Pistons. They don't care, bro. That doesn't matter. What matters is the teams they have beaten. They have beaten the Clippers. They have beaten the Bucks. They have beaten the Lakers. They have been the Heat. I know, I know the Heat and the Bucks aren't necessarily, you know, super elite at this point in time. You know, the Heat. Um, are struggling, man. They had a lot of guys out. Jimmy Butler missed a couple of weeks, but from the standpoint, the Miami Heat just made the finals. The Nets are beating all the good teams. They, I just named all the good teams that could possibly contend for a championship. The Nets have beaten them all. They've beaten them all. I said this to B. Jones yesterday. I said, yo, <laughs> I said, yo, basketball is a part-time job that Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, they show up and they play when they want to. And that's true. And that's true. And what's what's more concerning about that Lakers game is Kevin Durant didn't play. But we all know when Kevin Durant has some stars with him, when he has some horses with him, i.e. 2017, i.e. 2018, <laughs> he gives LeBron that work, man. He's LeBron James's kryptonite. And if these two teams meet in the finals at this juncture, I don't know if the Lakers are going to make the finals. But I got the Brooklyn Nets winning it all, man. 
Uh, they got James Harden running point. Kyrie is playing a sh playing shooting guard, and he's he Kyrie is a as a shooting guard and a point guard's body to be honest with you. And James Harden is more of a a more of a natural playmaker. You know, obviously we know he's an amazing scorer. The guy literally averaged thirty six a couple of years ago, but he's he's more of a natural playmaker. He's the most natural playmaker they have on the roster. Uh, he averages eleven assists per game. So it's it's scary, man. Scary hours, as they say. And man, <laughs> I really think I really think that they're winning it all. And it's it's not me overreacting to the Lakers game. It's it's just what my eyes have been telling me. Like the eye the eye test don't lie. You can be biased all you want, and just your biasness will make you just deny reality and deny what you're seeing. But for me, I try to never let my bias side, you know, interfere with what I see with my own two eyes. And what I see with my own two eyes is the Brooklyn Nets play when they want to, and they have beaten all the elite teams, and that's scary. Like, think about it. Who is going to beat this team four times in a series? Four straight times. And yeah, you know, James Harden has the label of a playoff choker. You know, he could, you know, mess up. Um, Kyrie is... I like Kyrie. I don't want to say, you know, he's a weirdo, but, you know, Kyrie be doing some, he be doing some sketchy stuff, man. But I like, I like his game. Kyrie has been, he's been playing kind of free this year. You know, it's, it seems, he seems like he's, he, he's enjoying it. it. Seems like James Harden is really, really enjoying himself as well. Kevin Durant just cheering from the sidelines the last couple of games. He's been enjoying themselves. I like a couple of pieces they added. They did add Andre Roberson, a defender. Uh, they got Iman Shumpert, uh, who's an also also a defender. Uh, they they still have some ways to go, um, but I think right now they're currently clicking. And you know they might have some bumps in the road where they lose to bad teams, but at the end of the day, they've beaten the best. They've beaten the best team. So I think Brooklyn is poised to win an NBA Finals with this team, but. No, you know, bar injury, they're definitely, I think they're definitely winning. Uh, we just got to see, we just got to see how it plays out. But yeah, man, it's definitely scary hours. And I think that's it, man. I think that's it, yo. I just wanted to, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I want to, oh, oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. One more thing. Uh, I wanted to say, wanted to say rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. It seems like. It seems like every week or every other week we're losing somebody. But Vincent Jackson was a former wide receiver uh, for the then San Diego Chargers. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he played a 12-year career. And he passed away last week. Um, um, and chronic alcoholism was the cause of death. And i used to watch vincent jackson bro and bro bro was nice man bro he he was nice man he was nice um with the chargers early on in his career and this is back when this is back when the chargers could never get over the hump this is the philip rivers the danian thomason um antonio gates days quentin jammer sean merriman you guys remember those chargers teams this was back in those days man those dudes those dudes were nice, man. Those dudes were like sneakily one of my favorite teams back then. But, you know, Vincent Jackson, 
you know he he had a very he had a pretty nice career man a 12-year career as i said um having 540 receptions just over 9,000 yards 57 touchdowns very very nice career man and you know it's it's unfortunate that he's gone and gone at the very early age of just 38 years old he just he just finished playing uh 2016 was his last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it's just it's just really really sad man and you also never know what people are truly truly going through man so I, I encourage everybody to reach out to their friends reach out to their family just just if it's a quick check-in man just just be genuine and you know I know a lot of times we think about each other but just just reach out man and I gotta do a better job at this myself just reach out just check in man you never really know what someone is going through you could be you could be that 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 um you could be that outlet <laughs> there we go you could be that outlet for them and you never know man you truly never never know uh, life is really short i try to remember that every day i know we take a lot of things for granted but you know life is precious life is a gift it is a privilege to be alive it is a privilege to uh, live the lives that we live you know i'm not big time but you know, my family, you know, we have a nice house. I have my own room. I have my own bathroom. You know, just little stuff that we take for granted, man. And um, rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. Uh, gone way too soon at the age of 38. Like, I was I was really in distraught when I heard, like, Vincent Jackson, no way. No way. No way Vincent Jackson passed away. Like, no way. I was in disbelief, man. Um, but that is it for this week, man. I really want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks, everybody, for the continued love and support. I'm your host. I'm your guy, Mike Curry, and I am signing out. Episode number 158 is done. Peace.